This is KMTT, Kimitzion Titzei Torah. On Mondays, we are having Rav Benjamin Tavori, who is giving a series this year on Mo'adei Hashanah, Shiurim, about the different holidays and festivals. We've been discussing the differences between the daily mitzvah of Zechiras Mitzrayim and the mitzvah that applies the night of Pesach, the unique mitzvah of Sipu Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Among the differences that we mentioned was that Zechiras Mitzrayim is basically a mitzvah that one can do and the, by, to himself, he need not tell the story to others. And we said, therefore, that Hirhur might very well work in the midst of Zechira. It's enough, perhaps, to only think about it. Whereas Sipur, since it involves communication, it means you have to tell other people as well. We mentioned that the Zechira's Mitzrayim can be done very briefly, whereas Sipur Yitzhah's Mitzrayim is to tell a long story. In general, all the distinctions that we made between these two mitzvahs imply that there is a unique quality of Sipur Yitzhah's Mitzrayim that doesn't exist in the mitzvah of Mitzrayim. I'd like to suggest one more distinction that was pointed out by Rav Salavechik, in which Zechiras Mitzrayim has an element that's not found in Sipur Yitzhah's Mitzrayim. The idea of Rav Salavechik is recorded in the journal called Masora that, come, that came out from the Union of Orthodox Jewish Congregations in America. And they mentioned there in the name of the Rav, a diuk, a very precise reading of the Rambam in Hilchos Chametz Matzah Perek Zayin, Halacha Aleph. The Rambam there says, Mitzvah Zasei Shel Torah, L'sapia Benisim V'neflaos Shenasu L'avaseinu B'mitzayim B'lel Chamisha Asa Benisan. The Mitzvah of the Torah is to tell the story, to tell the miracle, the wonders that occurred to our fathers on the 15th day of Nisan. Now, one could read this phrase in one of two ways. The mitzvah is to tell on the 15th day of Nisan the story of what happened in Mitzrayim. Or perhaps, you could read the Rambam, the, mirac- the mitzvah is to tell the story that happened on the night of the 15th. In other words, the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is only to tell the story until the 15th. Especially if we understand what we have discussed in the past, that the Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is to undergo the religious experience to psych to put ourselves in a psychological state that we are actually leaving. Mitzrayim grant to freedom. So if we're reenacting the scene on the night of the 15th, we're actually leaving Mitzrayim. And therefore, the miracles that occurred afterwards or whatever happened afterwards is not really part of the story. And it's interesting to point out, as the Rav did, that in the Rambam, in his Haggadah, the story of Kama Malustavas Lama Kamaleinu the, the whole period where they mention the uh, miracles that occurred after Yitzhak Mitzrayim is omitted in the Rambam. The, the section where it discusses how many makos were inflicted upon the Mitzrayim during, on, on the sea, on the Kriyas Yamsev, is omitted. It, apparently, the mitzvah is Leman Tesapia Ba'aznei Bincha Uven Bincha Esa Sherisalalti B'Mitzrayim. The mitzvah is to tell what happened in, in Egypt. So therefore, you need not mention 
the Kriyas Yamsuf. On one hand, Kriyas Yamsuf is the greatest, one of the greatest miracles of all. Of course, there were ten Makos. But we say it, the Kriyas Yamsuf, Masharasa Shivchalayamla Raya Cheska bin Buzamiyamav, we say that even the simple maiden girl on the saw of miracles saw such a, a Yad Hashem at the time of the Kriyas Yamsuf that even the greatest Nevi'im didn't, didn't see. But nevertheless, that need not be mentioned in the, the night of Pesach and Sipo Yitzhak Lusayim. However, the Gemara in Brachas, Tafyud Beis, says, if you do not say Emes V'yatsiv in the morning, or Emes V'amuna at night, you didn't fulfill the Chiyuv. Now, it's true that we pointed out that the mitzvah of Sipo Yitzhak, of Zechiras Mitzrayim, is part of Kriyashma, is part of Kabbalah Samachu Shemaim. But nevertheless, the Gemara says, not only do you have to say Kriyashma, but you have to say Emes V'yatsiv and Emes V'amuna. Now, what is an Emes V'yatsiv and Emes V'amuna? The basic idea is the Karlanos Hayam, the idea of Kriyas Yamsuf. So the mitzvah of Zechiras Mitzrayim is not to remember the night of the 15th, it's to remember the whole event. And the greatest part of that event is the night of the, is the, is Kriyas Yamsuf. And why is that really the greatest part? Because as we mentioned earlier, the Rav wrote in his essay, in Shiurim Nezechab Amari, in the mitzvah of Kriyashma, the Rav explained that Kabbalah's al-Machoshamayim, the daily mitzvah of accepting al-Machoshamayim, has to include in it something to do with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. As we said, Onochi Hashem Elokecha, Sharotzei Sicha Meretz Mitzrayim, somehow that Gadosh Baruch Hu himself connected the mitzvah of Emunah to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And when was the height of the Kabbalah's al-Machoshamayim at Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? At Kriyas Yamsuf. The proof, of course... Not just because, as we said, every single person that was there saw these unbelievable Yad Hashem. But it says there, Israel reached the level of Amunah at Kriyas Yamsuf above and beyond anything that was realized beforehand. Now we must remember that even beforehand it said, Israel. Israel did believe. And now it says, So what was added, of course, is Moshe Avdo. But besides Moshe Avdo, there seems to be a greater level of Amun Bashem that's realized at Kriyas Yamsuf. So when we discuss Kabbalah Salmach Hushamayim, Zechiras Mitzrayim, which should be said daily, perhaps the height of that Zechiras Mitzrayim is in mentioning Shiras Hayam. And the Rav quoted the Magen Avram, that said, Apparently, the Iker of the mitzvah, according to Magen Avraham, is to say the story of Kriyas Yamsuf. Perhaps we would amend the, the opinion of the Magen Avraham, perhaps we would suggest that you need both. You need to tell the story prior to Kriyas Yamsuf and Kriyas Yamsuf. Me- nevertheless, one of the great distinctions between the two mitzvahs here is that Kriyas ya- that Zechiras Mitzrayim in a sense entails one facet of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim more than Sipo Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. But in, as we pointed out generally, the uh, differences between Zechiras Mitzrayim and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Sipo Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim are to show that Sipo Yitzhiyas entails things beyond what Zechiras Mitzrayim entails. This Example that we brought now was an exception where Zechiras Mitzrayim entails something that is not involved in Sipo Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. One of the differences that we've pointed out in the past is that Sipo Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is telling a story. 
Now, we remember when we were children, the concept of babysitting and telling stories to children. Well, one thing is, a long story is good. But there's another thing that perhaps we remember from our childhood is telling stories. How do, how do you begin children's stories? You also always begin with once upon a time. And you always end with a cliche, they lived happily ever after. This idea of telling a story is found in Halacha. The Mishnah in Psachim says, the literal translation is you begin with a sense of shame of disgrace and you end with praise. It means you start with once upon a time, but you build up the story until you reach and they lived heavily after, ha- happily ever after. And the reason for structuring a story this way is very simple. Psychologically, a person never feels the depth of his emotions of happiness unless he realizes what the situation was prior to the time he received this special gift of, of happiness, of whatever it is. Rav Hutner has a whole discussion about this in Pachad Yitzchak. And of course, he quotes the Pasuk and Chazal. Ki yashavti b'choshech Hashem arli. When the... Uh, when when I was in the depths of darkness, HaKadosh Baruch Hu helped me. And Chazal say, in fact, on the Chaim Berlin record, maybe some people remember that in the 50s, Chaim Berlin put out a record of songs that were sung in Chaim Berlin and composed by people who either either the Rosh Yeshiva himself or Talmidim, who later on themselves became Rosh Yeshiva, wrote, wrote many of those nigunim. And one of the nigunim was put to the words of the of the medrash, ilmale nafalti lo kamti, ilmale yashavti b'choshech lo yashem arli. If I had not stumbled, if I had not fallen, I wouldn't have gotten up. If I had not been seated in darkness, I wouldn't have realized that Hashem is my is my light. It's only from the depths of despair that a person can grow and be, and understand greater what is his salvation. When a person says a pshat gemara, so you don't feel the thrill of saying a simple pshat unless for, first you have a good kasha and you feel that you're sort of stuck and then all of a sudden you break forth and you have this new insight and you feel so much better because you've answered the kasha. So the idea of poschim bignus is to sense the shevach better. It's always better to start with gnus. The Zohar uses the phrase in Tazria. A person does not know the taste of something sweet until he tastes something that's bitter. A person who is extremely thirsty and you give him a drink, maybe not the best drink in the world, but when he's so thirsty, that is the best thing he ever could have drunk. Later on, when he's not so thirsty, if you'll give him the same drink, he mightn't even turn it down. But somehow the thirst creates the idea of the enjoyment of quenching that thirst. The Me'iri in Psachim, Undav Kufte Zayin, says the idea 
that we should post Rimbignus in order to publicize, to make us more aware of slavery and to really understand what salvation is. To understand what the favors the, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us because no person really realizes happiness unless he realizes the, the pain and angst that he had undergone. Now, the halacha of Poslan Mignusim Saim B'Shevach is a real halacha. In fact, it's not only a halacha in the night of Pesach. We find this idea a number of times in other places as well. For example, in Hilchus Shuva, the Rambam says, when he extols upon the virtues of Tshuva and how great Tshuva is, the Rambam says, try to remember how great Tshuva is. And he uses a very interesting um, example. He says, in Perek Zayin of Hilchus Tshuva, Halacha Vav. Hatshuva mekareves esarachokim. Tshuva brings back those people that were estranged. Just yesterday, this fellow was despised before the Almighty, rejected, and an abomination to him. But today, after he did Tshuva, he is loved, desired, close, and a friend. So the Rambam contrasts the two to show how great the Baal Tshuva is. But it's important to remember, yesterday he was an abomination, and today he's over. The contrast is what creates the feeling of the real Baal Tshuva. And of course, you'll find this when we bring Bikurim, and you'll find it in Simchas Basa where we talk about our past, and now can appreciate the future. In our world, it's interesting that the younger generation that was born, let's say in the 60s, in the 70s, who, the 80s, certainly the 90s, take the state of Israel as a, as a given. The feeling that uh, we can go to Yerushalayim, you go to the Kota, whenever you feel like, is almost a given. The people that underwent all the Shiva Madurai Gehenam, all those gates of hell in the during the Nazi Holocaust and were saved and came to Israel, they somehow understand and appreciate and perhaps sense the Geula or the Slavea Geula that we're in even greater because they contrasted to the past. So the Paschim Bignus is an important point of the Seder in order to realize the Shavach. Now, the Gnus itself is not mentioned in the Mishnah, but there's a machlokas in the Gemara between Rav and Shmuel, what is Poschim Bignus? What are you supposed to say? Now, one opinion, the opinion of Rav, you begin with, Mitchila of the Avodazar Yuavaseinu. Our fathers were once idol worshippers. Shmuel, on the other hand, thinks we begin with Avadim Hayinu. Now, I'm oversimplifying because of time, because the Machlokas between Rav and Shmuel might be a question 
that they both say, you say both. The question is, which one to start from? It could be that they think either one is is viable. You could start with either one. It could be that one says, you must say only one and not the other one. There are a lot of different possibilities to discuss this machlokas. But we'll take it at face value. Rav says you begin one place, and Shmuel says another. Now, what seems to be the idea behind the machlokas? Again, Rav says we start with mitchila of the avodazara. Our fathers were idol worshippers, worshippers, and Shmuel thinks we begin with a avadim hayina. We were slaves. One could suggest that the question is from where do we really start? Do we tell the story almost from the beginning of the history of mankind? When we talked about Mitchila of the Avodazari of Asainu, we talk about the days before Avraham Avinu, the days of Tarach. So the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim actually has its antecedents way before. We begin from the beginning of history. Or we talk only about Yitzhak Mitzrayim and we talk about the Gnus of Mitzrayim, which was Avadim Hayinu. However, another common interpretation of the Machlokas between Rav and Shmuel is they're arguing or debating whether the gnus that we're talking about is a spiritual concept or a physical concept. When we talk about mitchila of the avodazari avoseinu, it's certainly not a physical concept at all. Our, our ancestors were idol worshippers, which is spiritual degradation. That's, we understand it as spiritual degradation. But physically, there's no shame there's no personal feeling of, 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 of physical shame in being an idol worshiper. An idol worshiper could be very, very wealthy. We say that the, the fatter, in a sense, the more wealthy a person becomes, he's more uh, enticed to rebel. So a, a rich man, a person who's living ostensibly very, very well, could be an avoid of Azara. There seems to be no physical pain involved, but we talk about the spiritual shame that we feel that our ancestors were worshippers of Avodah Whereas according to Rav, it's a physical concept. We were slaves. We were do, doing what the is called in the Torah, Avodas Parech. Avodas Parech is explained by Chazal in different ways, but it's in a sense back-breaking labor. Perhaps that back-breaking labor is also a spiritual concept as well. According to the Medrash and the Chazal, they, uh, the Mitzrim not only made us do back-breaking labor, very difficult labor, but they did, us, they did make us work in a way that we didn't even appreciate what we were doing. Sometimes the work was for no purpose, sometimes it was work that was not appropriate for the right, for the for person. So there might have been a spiritual type of degradation doing physical labor as well. But again, the Rav pointed out in different places that being a slave is actually a spiritual problem as well. There are many spiritual qualities that are affected by the, by the fact that a person becomes a slave. The, in Hebrew halacha, we have two types of slaves. We have an Evid Ivri and an Evid Kanani. An Evid Ivri is totally Jewish. A Jewish person became a slave. An Evid Kanani is a person who was not Jewish, but in order to become an Evid Kanani, he really does become Jewish. He converts, has Mila and Tvila, has a bris and goes to Mikveh, 
and he has to do mitzvahs. But a Nevi does mitzvahs only to the extent that a woman is obligated to do mitzvahs. In other words, he is exempt from mitzvahs that say Shaz Mangrama. Now, the reason that a woman is exempt from mitzvahs that say Shaz Mangrama is a complicated issue which many people have discussed and advanced different theories. It's not our issue today to discuss women and mitzvahs that say Mangrama. But in Evi is pretty simple to understand. And Evid Kanani is subjugated totally to the whims of his master. His master can tell him to work whenever he feels like it, day and night. It's true we should not do Avodas Parach. He is not a, the, allowed to make him do degrading work or backbreaking work, but time does not belong to the slave. The owner controls his time. When I once discussed this in Yeshiva, and I mentioned to my Talmidim that a slave has no awareness of time, so some of the boys laughed and said it reminds them of their stint in the Israeli army. When you're a, when you're a chayal, when you're a soldier in the army, your mefaked also can wake you up in the middle of the night, tell you you have to be out in 30 seconds with all your, uh, with all your paraphernalia ready to be, to be in a, what they call a mizdar. So they left understanding what it means that a person is not, does not control his own time. Of course, in the Israeli army, the requirements of the uh, matkal, pekudat matkal, the government orders are that soldiers be given proper time to do the mitzvahs uh, that they need to do. So it's not really the same as being a slave, uh, an evid, an evid. But nevertheless, the idea that a, a slave is, has no time awareness is certainly a spiritual concept and not just a physical concept. And the Rav pointed out beautifully how you see that the first mitzvah that was given to Bnei Yisrael when they leave Mitzrayim is HaChodesh HaZalachem. The mitzvah of determining when Rosh Chodesh is. And as we know the halacha, not only do we decide when Rosh Chodesh is, Atem afilu shogigim afilu atem mezidim, according to one text. We, namely Klal Yisrael, has the choice to choose the times of Yantif, the times of, of Rosh Chodesh, how they see it, how they, however they feel it. The time was given to us. So, as a somehow a retreat from slavery, to go to the opposite, to be a free person, you go from the concept where you have no awareness of time until you have total control of time. So, when we talk about the idea of Avadim Hayinu, it's not just physical, that they were slaves. Spiritually, they're also indentured and therefore have no real feeling of time. The, even the Eved Ivri, who is Tchayiv in mitzvahs, has certain mitzvahs that he cannot do. The Kes of Mishnah in one place just mentions almost parenthetically that inevitably he cannot do all the mitzvahs. Many people have tried to discuss what mitzvahs can he not do? What mitzvahs is, is a, an evidivri <coughs> not to do, can't do? And one of the explanations based on Yerushalmi is that can a person really say, Kabbalah Samach Shemaim? Can a person really accept the yoke of heaven and say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad when he is really subjugated to another human being? When a person is really a slave, does he feel emotionally that he can really be a slave of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? When the Torah says, Ki they're my slaves, 
So the Chazal point out, avadim avadim. You, you should not be slaves to other slaves. If we're all slaves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then my slave would be a slave to a slave. That person who's a slave to me somehow is, loses the concept of being a slave only to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, not only is Avadim Hayinu a physical disgrace, but there is a spiritual disgrace as well. It is true, the common interpretation, that Ode Avadazara is basically a spiritual degradation, whereas Avadim Hayinu is basically a physical degradation. But we pointed out that even in Avadim Hayinu, in being slaves, there's a physical and spiritual feeling of shame and disgrace. How do we paskin in this Machlokas Rav and Shmuel? So it's very interesting that everybody who knows the Haggadah says, that, well, it's very simple in the Haggadah. We start after Manishtana, we say, Avadim which is, of course, the opinion of Shmuel. It is true that later on we say, Rav, we do say both Rav's opinion of Mitchilav Devadazayavasainu, but apparently we pass in like Shmuel. And we say Shmuel first. If we suggest, as I said earlier, very briefly, that Rav and Shmuel don't really argue, they say you should say both of them, then do they really uh, do they insist upon which one we start from? When we read the Rambam, it's very interesting to see that in the text of the Haggadah, with the Rambam has his own text of the Haggadah in the back of, of, the, of the Halachas, and he also has within the Halachas certain Halachas of, of the Haggadah. In the Halacha, in Perik, in Hilchas Chametzumatzah, Perik Zayin Halacha Dalid, the Rambam says, He quotes our halacha, that a person must begin with his shame, and he continues with a praise. Ketzat, how would he do this? You begin chronologically with the story of, of Terach. Now, that's not the way we do it at all. We start with Avadim Hayinu. In fact, the Rambam himself in the text of the Haggadah has our text of the Haggadah. But nevertheless, in the halacha, he mentions as if it were that we begin with mitchil avodevadazara, and then he says v'chein maschil. I'm leaving out some words in the middle. V'chein maschil umodia shavadim inif rab mitzayim. You also begin and say we were avadim. Now, when you say v'chein maschil, it's a little strange. What do you mean v'chein maschil? You you and then you begin again. Can you begin twice? Beginning is only once. You begin the sleep where you see time once, and then you can say you add, you continue, you can do whatever you want, but you can't say you begin. But the Ram seems to say, yes, you begin again. Perhaps the Ram really had, as it were, two parts of the Haggadah, or perhaps the Ram is suggesting you could do either one. V'chein maschel means you do not do both, but you could do either one. Very difficult to prove from this Ram what he thinks. Nevertheless, in the Haggadah itself, in the Haggadah, in the text of the Haggadah, the Ram has as we have today. So, according to the way we have in our text of Haggadah, it's, it would seem that we pass like Shmuel, but we say Rav as well. And according to the Ramam, it says V'chein Maschil. Rabbi Nuchananel on the Gemara says we do both. Interestingly enough, there's a Perush on the Haggadah of Pesach written by Rav Meir Ish Shalom. The Haggadah is called Meir Ayin. In his Haggadah, he says that we really start the Haggadah, Mitchilov de Avadazara. Now he's not arguing with our text. The text as we have in Haggadah is his text as well. But apparently he understood that Avadim Hayinu 
is not said after Manishtana in terms of Maschel Bignus, but it's basically an answer to the question of Manishtana. The Chach, the, the, the son, the child asks the question, the four questions, and then we answer him by saying, and then we say sections in Haggadah that he explains are really Birchas HaTorah. And then he says in his Haggadah, Rabbi Meir Shalom, he says, after you say the, uh, the story of Birch, the Din of Birchas HaTorah, Baruch HaMakam, Baruch Hu, Baruch which is like Birchas HaTorah, then you talk about the four sons, and then you say, well now, now is the time to tell the story. So now you begin the story, and he quotes the Kolbo as saying, This is actually the beginning of the Haggadah. We begin here, and we're Messiah B'Shevach. Of course, a fuller discussion of the different opinions of Maschil B'Gnus and Messiah B'Shevach is beyond the time of our Shir now. The interested uh, person who wants to continue further, my brother, of course, developed this very much in his uh, doctoral dissertation on, the, on Pesach, which is uh, found mostly in the book of Pesach Dorot, uh, Professor Yosef Tabori's book, and uh, the many more explanations can be found there. I would just like to point out one uh, quick observation. We have not discussed at all what Nesayim B'Shevach means. What does it mean to end with the praise? We understood in the Gemara what it means to but the Gemara doesn't say what the Shevach is. It very well could be that this would depend upon the Machlokas between Rav and Shmuel. What's the Messiah B'Shevach? Is the Messiah B'Shevach to do with the Avadim Ayinu or Mitchilov the Avadazara? Again, a number of opinions can be found in this question. The um, Rishonim discuss it. Uh, the various opinions are summarized very briefly in the Encyclopedia Tamudit and the article in Haggadah. He mentions a number of different opinions. One person could suggest that uh, the line itself contains the beginning of the Gnus and the end of the Shavach in one line. For example, Avadim Hainu Lefarab Mitzrayim, Vayotzienu Hashem Lokenem Misham. We were slaves and now we're free. Or Mitchilav the Avadazariyah Vaseinu, Vaachshav Kevon Hamakam Lavadasa. Originally we were idol worshippers and now Hakadosh Baruch Hu brought us closer to his divine service. The uh, other theories include in them the idea that the Messiah B'Shavach is the end of the first part of the Haggadah. When we say Halil, when we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu and actually recite Halil, we actually sing Halil. If that would, Pshad is true, which of course I, because of time I haven't gone through all the different opinions, it's interesting to note that the Gnus that we talk about is our Gnus. Our shame. We were slaves, we were idol worshippers. But the praise is not to praise ourselves, it's to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It reminds us of things that the Tzadik of Vaidichev talked about how the fact that we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu praises us. In our tefillin, we write Shema Yisrael Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
The Gemara says, God, Kivayachal, has a pair of tefillin where it says, Mika Amcha Yisrael Gayachad Baretz, where it extols the virtues of Am Yisrael. Reb Levi Yitzchak pointed out that in the Torah, the name of the holiday is Chag HaPesach, is Chag HaMatzos. We call it always Chag HaPesach. But in the Torah, the name is actually find, found as Chag HaMatzos. So he explained that Chag HaMatzos reflects what we do. We bake matzos. Matzah in Kabbalistic terms is called Mechla de Mehnusa, the food of belief. Matzah reflects what Am Yisrael does, our praises. But we discuss the Chag, we call it Chag HaPesach. We talk about what a Kodesh Baruch Hu did, that he, Pasach Mitzrayim, he's the one who delivered us, did, did those great miracles for us in Mitzrayim. So the Poschim B'Gnus and Mitzrayim B'Shevach might very well be that we start with the Gnus of Am Yisrael, but we end with the Shevach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As I said, there are many different opinions what the Shevach is. One opinion could be the Halil at the end of the first part of the Seder. Poschim B'Gnus and Mitzrayim B'Shevach.